Welcome to episode 200 of the Apple Maps and App Addict Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Trevor Sheridan of Apple Maps. Join us this week as Trevor and I eat sushi, blow up asteroids, battle mutants, and try to escape a strange island. How are you doing on this big two ep- 200th episode, Trevor? Doing good. It's amazing to get to such a big round number. I know. I know. I, I was away on the 100th, so it's good to be here for the 200. And there's some nice games to talk about because we did have that special edition all about the Apple event. So now we're going to transition to our usual show about games and apps and all that good stuff. Yep. But before we do get that far, I did want to just talk about the iPhone pre order process because the iPhone 7 and the Apple Watch Series 2 pre orders started on. September 9th at 12.01 a.m. So that was Friday a.m. or Thursday p.m., depending on how you look at it. And that was Pacific time. That's 3 in the morning for me. And so I forgot about the phone because I wasn't planning on getting it. And, you know, I was watching something, and it was like after midnight. I'm like, whatever, let me go look and see how things are selling out or if the site's up. And so it was like 12.06 or whatever. The site still wasn't up. By 12.12, it did pop up. And I was like, I'm going to try this Apple upgrade program. It's $37 a month. Let me try that. So I added the 128 gigabyte black, uh, jet black version. And that sold out while I was in my cart. And so it pushed back to like, it said four to six weeks. And so then I tried just the Mate black. And that one was already saying, I think October 1st, or maybe it said two to three weeks. And I'm like, if I don't get it on launch day, I'm already that much closer to the iPhone 8. So <laughs> I pretty much gave up on getting the phone. And then I went to bed. And so in the morning, I checked and I was like, maybe I'll try Verizon site because that's who I have my plan through. And they had this really interesting special for me where I could get a one-year contract for just $30 more than the normal $200 with two-year contract. So I was like, okay, I'll try that. And so then I decided to just get the 32 gigabyte Mate Black iPhone 7 because the pluses by then it all sold out. And if I'm planning on upgrading with just a one-year contract to the iPhone 8 next year, I figure I can just get a new version of my new phone since the iPhone 6 still has good resale value. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially where you can get pretty much all your money back. I've never even heard of a one-year, like, subsidized contract. That is absolutely insanely good. I would have done that had I had that deal. I did not even try to pre-order anything. I went on in the morning just to kind of see what the status of everything was, and it was crazy that all of those jet blacks were not until November now, if you were going to order it. And then most, like, most of the iPhone 7 that was all pretty much available. But uh, for some reason, T-Mobile, everything was two to three weeks. I don't know if they're just not getting the iPhone 7 for another two to three weeks. But for the most part, all of the colors that used to be popular, like rose gold and gold, were widely available. And then you had the jet black, which everyone knew was going to be the most popular, which for some reason, Apple decided not to ramp up production on that specifically, especially in the six in the 7 Plus I don't know. And maybe they just didn't have parts, but it seems so short-sighted for them to do this. And it's obvious that this is the reason why they came out and said, we are not going to be announcing our first weekend of sales numbers because no one could get the phone that they actually wanted. 
Yeah, and I mean, part of it's planned because it didn't seem like iPhone 7 demand was as hot at first instant. But, I mean, these things are still being pre-ordered in huge numbers, sight unseen. So I'm unsure exactly how much that is the case. And we'll never know how many Apple's going to sell this first opening weekend. But, I mean, I can't imagine they didn't just made like five phones and they sold out. Yes. You know, and now it's pushed back to two to three weeks. It seems like they still produce quite a few. And even them, so the jet black was going pretty quick, but that mate black was going just as quick, too. Okay, because that one, well, the delays on that aren't out into November like the other ones. Were. Yeah. So they're not into November, but they're all, the 16th, they're all gone. All that stock is oh, right. sold oh, out. Oh, yeah. The initial stock of all, all of the, the seven pluses were pretty much sold out. That's where. I, obviously, people wanted that new camera, the new dual lens camera, and that's where, because if you think about it, going from like a 6S to a 7 is not that big of a leap. You're getting a slight upgrade in your camera, you're getting a slight processor upgrade, you're losing your headphone jack, and you're gaining the quote-unquote water resistance, which Apple won't even warranty anyways. So it's not that much of an appealing leap as maybe the plus would be where you're actually getting that real new technology, the new camera that is going to actually allow you to take better pictures than a minor upgrade of a mega, a few megapixels. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, one of the most uh, appealing features for me is 3D Touch, just because I missed out it on the success. Oh, right, right. And especially where you have the price that you got, there is no doubt, like, that that's a no-brainer to do the upgrade you did. Because even though you're you're going from a 6 to a 7, and it's that same, you're not getting the new camera, I mean, you're able to sell your 6 and cover the cost of that 7 it makes perfect sense to upgrade. But as far as someone going from a 6S to the 7, yeah, I, that is not necessarily something that I see people, many people doing. Yeah. And also, I have the 16 gigabyte phone. Do not get a 16 gigabyte <laughs> phone. So even you 32 gigabytes. I mean, I have twice the amount of storage. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't get the 16 anymore. So it doesn't really matter. Well, yeah. You want someone to get a 16 because you want someone to buy yours. Other than that, exactly. you don't need it. And so that's pretty much the iPhone 7. And before we get into the new games, I did just kind of want to go over all the rumors about the iPhone 8. I mean, it's going to be next September, September 2017. <laughs> but... The iPhone 8 is supposedly going to be, like, the greatest thing imaginable. I, I wouldn't be surprised it includes a transporter and a food replicator and a holodeck at this point. Well, it will be the best <laughs> iPhone that Apple has ever made. You know that for sure. Yes. And so when you look at the rumors, it's an all-glass front and back with no home button. The screen's going to be OLED that curves around the side of the device, and it's likely going to be a high-resolution 4K OLED display, and then there's going to be wireless charging and even possibly a retina scanner. So I can't imagine they're going to include all those features for the iPhone 8. That sounds like iPhone 9 and stuff, but <laughs> Apple may surprise because they haven't done that much since 2014 for the iPhone line. Yeah, I'm hoping that there is something major because they have like you said, they've done virtually nothing. They've done these 
really small incremental upgrades and this is their big 10 year like are they going to leap it up because there's so many changes and call it the iphone 10 and then all of a sudden iphone gonna, x would be a cool name or x yes <laughs> although we had the moto x and other companies yeah. did that so uh, i don't know i'm hoping that it's something that is worth the wait i'm the fact that i'm saving money by not upgrading is is a good uh reason not to upgrade but i'm hoping that it's worth the wait and the the reason they got rid of this headphone jack now is related to the fact that they needed to for whatever this dramatic change they're doing for iphone 8 is yeah i mean i think people are getting their hopes up a little too high because i'm sure apple could make phones of this quality today but they need to make 60 to 80 million of these phones. And I just don't think there's the yield for OLED 4K displays or, you know, the wireless charging system they want to use. Because like I talked about for the AirPods, maybe they're testing out the wireless charging system to see how well they can produce it for next year. Because I think production is more important than actually coming up with how to put all these things into the phone case. Oh, right. Yeah. If they can't get production nailed down, they're just going to have major problems. Imagine everyone getting on to order their iPhone 8s and it says delivery in June. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like you don't want to have to wait till forever for this phone to come out. So hopefully this is something they have been working on and they have started to resolve some of these issues or at least have it in the works so that it's ready to go. And they're learning from these past mistakes that they've had with all of these other models that they've released over the years. And it just, it doesn't seem like they're learning from their mistakes because it seems like we have this issue every single year. But hopefully something will click with them and they'll finally realize how to do this. Yeah, part of me feels like they do it on purpose to build up demand by saying, oh, the Jet Black's super hard to get. So now people are like, oh, I better get that Jet Black because it's super hard to get. <laughs> True. I mean, this has happened with the Rose Gold and it's happened with the Gold. and uh, The know. white Verizon iPhone when they first announced it way back when. Oh, true. Yeah, I totally forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. They've been doing it like every year. They come out with a way to have one device that's super hard to get. And then that consequently builds up demand in this whole chicken and egg cycle. Yep. But that's the iPhone 7 pre-orders, and before you do get that iPhone 7, or if you're not upgrading at all, you still have a ton of games to potentially play. And then also, it's worth noting, prepare your device to upgrade to iOS 10 on Wednesday, September 13th. Yep, I'll probably, I'll be away on a business trip, so I'll probably upgrade. Not necessarily that day, maybe I'll wait till I get back, just to be safe. Yeah, because we always like to have those problems that pop up, too. Yes, I always seem to be the one who gets all the problems, so I, I don't really <laughs> want to take a chance. And so for our first new game this week, it's Sky Hill, which is an interesting kind of take on a survival game where you're in this hotel, you're on the 100th floor, and it's been overrun by mutated versions of the hotel guests, and your goal is to essentially descend your way through all 100 floors while constantly managing your health and your hunger. And it's not a quick action type of experience. Instead, the survival really emphasizes strategy as you explore rooms to gain resources, and then you're going to battle those mutants in a turn-based setup where each of your attacks has certain powers and certain chance of 
being a miss or a direct hit. And so you have to kind of manage these different things as you descend each floor. As you can decide, it's not worth a food ration to go explore the room to the left or whatever the case may be as you go explore this hotel. Right, yeah. So every time you move in this game, you use one of your food rations. So you take, basically you're coming down the center of this hotel, and then there's a room to the left and a room to the right on each floor. And then if you come down a level and there's a mutant waiting for you, you're forced to fight. You can't do anything. You have to fight. Otherwise, you have a choice of going left or right, and when you go into those rooms, there might be one or more of these areas you can search. And when you search, you can... Uh, it t- it costs you one piece of food to move into that room, but then searching is free. And searching might reveal like a various objects. It might get, you might get food, you might get uh, things to heal yourself, or you might get scrap metal, wood, or other items which you can then craft into better weapons to improve your your ability to attack when you're in a fight. Or you can craft better medical supplies something that might heal like a larger percentage of your health or uh, some food like a food item that heals you that gives you a lot more food and so what you're doing is you're constantly going down trying to manage your health and your food and picking up all this stuff but then the vast majority of these things you need to return back up to your your vip suite at the top of the hotel in order to craft these items so you always have to watch that food bar because you need to make sure you're still going to be able to make it back upstairs again and there is an elevator but it's broken along the way so some of the things you have to craft are repairs to the elevator so you can go up faster to get back up to that room so it's a lot of kind of trade-offs and building up resources and then you're eventually going to die. And at that point, it's like a roguelike where you start over, but now you have these perks that allow you to do better the next time through. Yeah, those perks offer that incentive to keep trying to make it because you have that specific goal ahead of you of clearing all 100 floors, and you really start to realize how much damage you could potentially take from the different mutants that you'll face. So you want to really be more cautious than exploratory as you're going through the hotel. Right. Well, the nice thing is if it's one of those side rooms, you can back out of a fight. You don't necessarily have to. So if you go in there and there's some guy with like 80 health, when like the normal guys you fight only have like 20 or 25, you kind of want to step out of there because odds are, unless you have a super powerful weapon, you're not going to do well. And once you start a fight, you can't leave a fight. So you're better off running before you start. And what you'll do is, uh, like, I didn't even realize at first, well, it tells you, but then I didn't even think of it the first time I went down. One of the options you have is to return to that VIP suite, and you can sleep. And you use some of your food, but that allows you to regain health. So if you're really, if you have nothing medical that you can heal yourself with, if you can make your way all the way back up to the top, you can now sleep and use your food as health and get back up in health. But while you're sleeping, odds are someone's going to come and steal something you have, like some item or something. But there's ways you can craft items to make your VIP room more secure so no one can steal stuff. So it's this whole huge system of things, and you're constantly having to go into your inventory, see what you have, see what you can craft, and then kind of hope you just randomly get some of these items. Other items you can craft that 
interim step that you need. So you might craft some piece that then you can use that piece to then craft something bigger. But you constantly are having to look in your inventory and keep on going into that screen to see what you need and then just kind of hope that you stumble upon it. Yeah, and then there's the whole crafting system that adds a whole new element because it gives you that like benefit of exploring as you're going to find those particular items to make the bigger weapons or things that provide more food or health. But you always have to... It's great that they have that whole managed strategy system because it's kind of not obvious when you first see the screenshots and watch the video how many different kind of decisions you have as you're descending and trying to survive. Oh, right, right. Yeah, it's it's massive. And then even like every time you go through, you get these uh, points you can assign to your strength, uh, your dexterity, your accuracy, and your speed. And those points allow you to help do better in in the attacks but then you'll as you beat certain mutants you'll get uh experience points which then you'll help you level up and as you level up you'll start to unlock even more stuff you can craft better weapons and other things so the further you make in the game the further you'll then make it the next time around because of a combination of those perks and the ability to craft new objects that are more powerful and will help you get further and to battle like these giant monsters that would otherwise take you out earlier in the game yep and so that's sky hill it's 2.99 and it's universal and then up next is sushi go which is like a it's essentially a based on a card game but now it's been adapted to ios and i know you're more familiar with the card game so i'll let you explain so this is a game that my family and i especially my daughter and i love to play and what it is is a it's a light card drafting game so basically you play over the course of three rounds and each player's dealt a hand of cards to start the game and what you do is you look at that hand of cards you have you take one of the cards and you pass that hand of cards over to the next player And so basically you're pulling, each of the cards have all these different types of sushi. And you're basically trying to form sets of different types of sushi. And the various types will have rules about if you have X number, say you have the most of these, you get X number of points. Or if you have... Uh, for four, two of these, you'll get five points. And so there's certain, the different types of sushi each has its own unique rule on how they score points. So you can see what the other player's taking and you know what's in all these hands of cards because you've passed them around. So there's a lot of strategy on what are you going to pick? What do you pick to keep your opponent from grabbing that? So maybe they have something like the sashimi where if you get three of them you get 10 points well they have two of them and there's one of them in the deck of cards i have right now i'm going to take that so they don't get their third one and they'll score no points for all those sashimi they took so there's a lot of strategy of what do you pick and what do you pass and now they've done just a fantastic job of turning into a digital game but it's not just like your standard let's digitize the cards and you'll just see them on the screen they made this like really cute where you're sitting at a sushi bar and you have that rotating plate and you're pulling your plate off of the the rotating display and that's how you're choosing your card so basically now you you choose your thing, it goes to the other player, and now you have their little conveyor belt of sushi choices, and you choose off of the, the tray again for what you want to do for your next one. So they've done it in a really like fun style rather than just converting over 
digital cards. It, the entire setting, they've infused it into the experience to re- make it relatively immersive. And then they just make each turn so valuable that you need to consider all the different times. If you're new to the game, they have a relatively friendly tutorial that explains what sh- sashimi or tempura or the various sushi dishes have as value and what your goals are. Like you said, the three sashimi or you need two tempura or the person with the most pudding at the end of the game has a bonus. And they have all that kind of detail to each thing. So you need to focus and realize, will I be able to get the full sashimi set? Will I end with the most uh, Naki or whatever? What's the other little rolls? Uh, the Maki rolls? I don't know. Yeah, the Maki rolls. Yeah. Yeah, if you end with the most of those, you get the points and nobody else does. And you can see what other people have, you know, at the top of the screen. And so that can help you decide if you're going to try to get the most of one thing or try to prevent somebody else from completing the set. Right, you're right. And the way that um, they've set up the game for this digital version is you have a choice of playing against AI players. So the game normally supports two to five players. And you can play against AI opponents up to the full complement of players or you can play against Game Center friends or a random Game Center person and set up a game of anywhere between two and five players, and it's set up in a turn, like a asynchronous turn-based setup. So you can take your turn, then the other person can take their turn whenever they're ready, and then it keeps on passing around. The one thing that is... Well, if you're both playing right away, it feels like you're sitting there right in front of each other, and it's... It's instantaneous that you get it back and you get to make your turn, which is how it would play if you're sitting there with the physical cards. The one downside of doing it uh, in a digital format where you have this asynchronous setup where a person could take as long as they want is if you have multiple games going, you're going to forget what's in each of these hands of cards over time because you haven't seen it in a while where if you were sitting right there you would know oh i'm going to take this one then when he hands it back to me i'm going to take this one out of that deck and you start to lose some of that flow and so it can be kind of frustrating sometimes where you you might accidentally take a card thinking that there's like maybe you already have a sashimi and then you think there's two more in that other side so you take an or there's one more in that other deck so you take another one and then you remember oh wait there were no other ones so now you can't get any points for those and so it kind of destroys the flow a little but if you find a player that's like instant with their moves then it feels just like the physical card game and there's no delay whatsoever so that's the one slight downside that i had but still it is so much fun to be able to play this game whenever and wherever i am like this is my daughter and i have a game going with my daughter i have a game going with a bunch of other friends and so it's just fun to have in this in this format yeah the only thing i would like is some kind of alternate mode because you have that online play and then you have play versus the computer and it seems like you can focus on the same ways to play no matter how you're playing and it would just be nice to have like a different sushi deck to deal with or just a different kind of way to change up the strategy because it seems like you have the same emphasis no matter how you play you're just changing who you play with yeah so the one thing there is is this is the original game that came out sushi go they came out with a uh just this year like probably a couple months ago game right who created the who published the original game they came out with a game called Sushi Go Party, which 
that allows you, it has a, like, I don't even know how many more, probably like 20 more types of sushi in it. And they have like this little menu and you set up certain set of choices and you pick from the whole menu of sushi to really kind of randomize the game and come up with a completely different feel. Because now all these different types of sushi have completely different strategies on how they earn points. And I would love to see them, now that they have the base game done, in the future add on the Sushi Go Party. Maybe you pay like a in-app purchase to unlock all those cards as well. But add all these other new types because now that we at home have started playing with the Sushi Go Party cards, you kind of miss some of those really unique things that can happen with those cards versus the base set. And I have a feeling it's going to be coming. I hope this app does well so that they can... Uh, open it up and do the, these other sets of cards as well. But I think that would probably help what you what you're talking about. Is that what is that kind of what you were thinking yeah. of? Yeah, I'm now I'm interested to hopefully have that come. Yeah, so I, I told I told the developer because I've been beta testing this for a while that I wouldn't pester him for at least a week about adding Sushi Go party <laughs> cards. So I, I I'm then I'm hoping this really does well this launch week so that uh they they'll consider in the future yep so that's sushi go it's 4.99 and it's universal and then there's atomic Superlander, which it takes a few different kind of game styles and puts them into one and the main idea is that you have you start off and you launch off like your space station and then you're going to try to land on the planet you want to not crash into it so it has that game style and then when you're on the planet, you have like a subtle little platformer to then go get to the point that you need to essentially drop your like target point. Like you're going to nuke it, so it's not a mine, but you need to drop that point to then be able to get back to your ship, get back to the space station, and then detonate to blow up whether it's a comet or an asteroid heading towards Earth or enemy crafts or whatever the case may be as you get further into the game. Yeah, so the first time I played this game, I found it amazingly frustrating. Then I replayed the tutorial, and then it all clicked. And the more and more I play this game, the more I love it. So it is. It's like a combination of uh, multiple game types. You have the first stage where you're out in space, and then you have to land your spacecraft onto the planet, which, if unless you take it slow and steady... But there's a countdown clock clicking, ticking away, so you can't spend too much time. You have to. You're going to blow up the ship, but all is not lost if you blow up the ship, as long as you eject out of the ship before it blows up. So now you're on the planet and you're running around and you can punch and kill aliens. You can pick up rocks and throw them at them, and basically you're trying to find that point where you're supposed to arm the bomb to blow up the asteroid that you're on. And so once you hit that asteroid, the, that spot where you're arming it, now you have to repeat this little color combination that shows up on the screen. You don't have to wait till it ends. You can actually tap the button as soon as you see the color appear. Then once you do that, then it's armed. Now you have to get off that planet. Well, if you blew up your ship, there's always a spare ship, but it's not a very good one, sitting on the planet somewhere. So now you have to find that. So you go back up onto the surface of the planet, run around it, avoiding spikes, avoiding enemies or punching them, whatever you want to do, aliens. And then eventually you find this, this ship and then you get to take off before the time runs out. 
and then once you get back up into the atmosphere, then you're safe, and then you can blow it up, and then you move on to the next one. You start with three guys, but then if you pick up this little ball of, I think they call it plutonium, then that triggers this whole, like, slot machine thing you can do in between levels, which will either give you gears, which help you to unlock a, a ship that can take more damage, or it will help you to unlock additional spacemen that allow you to get, basically get more attempts to finish an asteroid. And so it's like, as you make it further and further and you start to learn the controls, this game, I am just really loving it. I, at first, I really did find it frustrating, but I am really, really enjoying it now. And it just makes you want to try again and again to see if you can get to that next asteroid that maybe you couldn't make it to the previous time. I I love that you can go and pick up a second ship because the controls they're you know they're that on screen thing and the first couple times I played I ejected like right out you of the space right station. Away? Yes, I know yeah. you do it by accident. <laughs> I know I did it all. And you're the time. like, oops! And then <laughs> it takes a couple runs. You're like, okay, maybe I can jetpack back up into space, and then <laughs> nope. you find that other ship. Yeah, and it changes kind of the way you do it. But I mean. Piloting the ship isn't the easiest, but since they give you that ability to find another ship, it kind of helps. And then it has that whole upgrade system to get better ships in the future. And I think that's why that initial piloting is so difficult, because your future ships will have better handling and, you know, all that to make the smoother landings on the surface. So you're not crashing or spinning out of control or whatever that might be. Right, and then if for some reason you do happen to destroy both ships and you haven't made it up back up to your ship, to your main, like, space station yet, then you can still detonate if you've actually already armed, maybe there's multiple bombs, like, there's either one or two, or I don't know if, if I get further if there's three, but uh, if you've already armed them all, you can still detonate, and then you see your guy pop on the screen screaming as he presses the button, and then he blows up with the thing, but fortunately you have other men, hopefully, still left, that then you can move on to the next asteroid and try to take it out. So, it, I don't, it's just really humorous, and I love the art style, and it's just one of those games that really, for some reason, clicked with me, that I am just keep on trying and trying. I want to get that sixth asteroid, the sixth asteroid and i just quite it can't quite get it i get everything armed and then i can't make it off because what will happen is they start adding stuff out in the atmosphere so as you're trying to pilot your ship back out there's laser beams that are going to try to take you out there's other things you can run into and your initial ship can only take three hits before it blows up and i think that other one you get can take almost no damage too so you really have to try to slowly get out of the atmosphere and but gravity will pull on you, and then you can't really steer it all that well. So it's it's a chore to make it back out sometimes as you get into those later levels. Yeah, just when you think you kind of get in the hang of it, they add in these new elements and new ways to die. And <laughs> coincidentally enough, you start dying in all new ways. Yep. And so that's Atomic Superlander. It's two ninety nine. It's universal. And then one final one I just wanted to mention. This was... Uh, caught my eye because it was a it's a point and click adventure game and it was actually really cheap it was only 99 cents and it's called isoland and what it is is you're this guy who's received a letter from your friend pleading for help and so you travel to this mysterious island and it's out in the atlantic ocean and 
all of a sudden, once you're there, you discover you're trapped there. You can't get out. And all of these other people on this island, you're talking to them, and they don't seem to remember how they got there. And they're just as clueless, but they give you clues on how to solve these various puzzles you need to solve. And you start to learn more about what happened on the island. And it's all done this really neat art style. And it's got all of your, like, typical point-and-click adventure-type puzzles. And you're going back and forth between places, finding objects, using those objects to do things, and unlock new areas. And as you play through the game, you can actually finish it once, and then it says, uh, is that the end? And then you can actually restart the entire game and play through it again, and most of it's the same, but then there's some areas with new puzzles and a completely different ending once you finish it. So you really have two full playthroughs of the game that you can get. And the only price is that 99 cent buy-in, but then if you get really super stuck, you can you can watch an ad to get a slight little hint for a puzzle. Although, for the most part, I didn't even need to use that. There was only one that I tried to get that slight hint, but it was only because I didn't tap an extra time to see the guy's full text thing that I missed what I needed. And then, uh, if you still can't figure it out, they'll give you the full solution for any puzzle in the game for $0.99 cent in that purchase. So, you don't have to spend any money. You can buy it for $0.99 cents and get the full game. And then, if you really get stuck, then you just try and try, or you can probably Google. There's got to be a walkthrough at this point if you, if you get really stuck. But I thought it was a good level of puzzles... And I just really love the whole story and the art style. And for 99 cents, you cannot go wrong for for Isoland. And how long do you think it took just one playthrough? I would say maybe like uh, that first playthrough, because obviously the second playthrough is fast because you've already done most of it. I would say probably a couple of hours, maybe a little more. Two to, okay. two to three That's hours. That's good to maybe. know. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, and, I, it was good. Yeah, and so I think that's pretty. So ISO or Isoland, it's ninety nine cents and it's universal, and I think that's pretty much everything for episode two hundred. Yeah, that's all I have. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.